Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We've been doing a series called Gaining Strength and, and talking about gaining spiritual strength and, and the importance of that. This morning, I want to talk about uh, protecting that strength and some things that we can do to protect strength. It's, it's one thing to gain strength. It's another thing to keep strength from draining out of our lives. And so the, the correlation between spiritual strength and natural strength is actually there. Uh, we know there are things that negatively impact our, our physical strength. For example, if, if you do not exercise enough, it will impact your, your physical strength. And I realize no one loves to hear that. They're thinking, no, what I need is a nap. No, a lot of times what we need is, is more exercise, is actually more activity, and it, it will help. There was a middle-aged man who was going to a, a gym, and it was his first day at the gym, and his trainer was giving him a tour. And he was amazed at all the attractive ladies there. And so he kind of sucked in his gut, and he, uh, he said to the trainer, he said, uh, what machine do I need to use here to impress all these lovely ladies? And uh, the trainer looked at him and went, sir, I would suggest the ATM machine out in the lobby is, is, is going to be your, your best bet. Um, the, the actual fact is, whenever you, it, there's a phrase we used to say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And so n- not enough activity. Too much stress can impact us physically. It releases cortisol into our system. It's not healthy for us. Too much stress. Listen, life is going to have pressure and life is going to have too much. Absolutely works against us and hurts our strength. And then, of course, I think we all realize that your diet, what you eat, can impact your strength. If, you, um, if you're a serious athlete, there, there are things that you simply eat and will not eat. But if, you, if your diet is comprised a lot of Skittles and Red Bull, you're going to run out of strength at some point in time. When the caffeine and sugar wear down, you're, you're going to be out. And so what we eat impacts our strength. But it's interesting that that correlation plays over into our spiritual strength. Do you realize that spiritual inactivity, the Bible talks about exercising ourselves to godliness, exercising ourselves to a devotion to God. You say, well, how in the world I did that? Well, I, I, my, I want to commend those of you who got up and came this morning. You're here. That took some exercise to get here. But when we're worshiping God, that's a great spiritual exercise. Praising God, thanking God, praying is a spiritual exercise. And beginning to speak over your life, what God says about you, that's a spiritual exercise. And those are things that you can do. You don't want to get into inactivity. And so in other words, you don't want what takes place here to be the only activity that's spiritually taking place in your life. You want to begin to incorporate more of that. What If you have too much stress, well, we figured that one out, haven't we? It'll wear you down. There's a great verse in Proverbs that says that anxiety in the heart of man causes it to stoop. In other words, it weighs it down. Too much anxiety can actually, and, and, and distress and anxiety can actually just weigh us down on the inside. And if you're trying to get anything done, you realize you don't need a lot of extra weight. And, and so you don't want too much of that in your life. But then also what we consume, our diet. You say, well, I thought you were talking about food. No, no, no. What we consume into our lives. 
You realize there's a lot of things that we can consume out there that really has not much value at all. Some of it is bad. Some of it is just like cotton candy. Never had cotton candy? It's like a big poofy, but it all boils down to about this much. But you eat it and it doesn't do anything for you. And yet we realize there are things that we can bring into our lives. And, you know, the advent of the Internet, the advent of social media brings so much more in. And a lot of it's just simply not, it's not healthy. What we consume makes a difference. Now, uh, Paul was talking to a group of leaders at Ephesus. And this was one of, as he was starting to wrap up his life and ministry, he calls these guys in. And some of his final words are important. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That word sanctified simply means set apart. He's talking about believers. He said, I'm commending you to God. What's he saying? I'm commending you to a relationship with God. Not just that you know about him, but you have a relationship with God. This is, what, this is one of the things that we're here for, is to help you develop and strengthen in your relationship with God and the word of his grace. In other words, the word of what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. That's the word of his grace. Do you realize it's by grace that we're saved? By grace that we've been forgiven. By grace we've been strengthened. By grace we're part of a different kingdom. By God's grace, his ability and his Holy Spirit is in us to help us. His grace and the word of his grace, when you begin to consume that into your life, it will make a difference in your life and it will build you up spiritually. You say, well, I can't, I can't feel like I'm being built up spiritually. Listen, you just stay at it. And you, you'll, you'll get to the place where you realize, man, I'm a lot stronger. I handle that better than I ever did before. There's a company out of, I think they're called Square Mouth or out of St. Petersburg, Florida. And they sell travel insurance. And with travel insurance comes a long list, about a 4,000 page, a 4,000, excuse me, word document listing all the rules and regulations and covenants and conditions of the travel insurance. How many of you know every time that you update your software, they give you that long list of, of things and we're supposed to read and you have to click on the bottom that says, I agree. How many of you have ever really read that? <laughs> they estimate about 1%. So this company, Square Mouth, said, hey, we're going to run a contest and we're going to, we're going to hide something in this 4,000 word document and it, it, the person who answers it first gets a prize. Well, they thought this was going to run for a year because they figured less than 1% of people actually read all that stuff. And within 23 hours, a lady contacted them. She's a high school teacher. Uh, her name is Donalyn Andrews. And Donalyn, she says, is a self-confessed nerd. She says, I read all of that, everything. So as soon as she got her travel insurance, she printed it off, and she read every word, including the section that says it pays to read this, it says the first person who responds to us after reading this is subject to win a, a grand prize. She emailed them. They contacted her the next day and told her she won $10,000. Just, just for reading the whole thing. Now, let me tell you something about $10,000. I don't know about you. I would love to somebody just send me $10,000. You know, $10,000 will bless your life. It won't change your life. But God's word does both. The word of his grace will bless your life and it will absolutely change your life. We just have to, you just have to spend some time in reading it and put it into your life. And so 
when Paul's writing, he's saying, hey, he said, hey guys, I'm going to, I'm going to, man, I want you to have a relationship with God and I want you to read his word because that builds you up on the inside. Now I want to talk about a guy today in the Bible. We don't talk about him much, but a, a man who, who recognized some of the things that would drain his strength and he was wise to it. His name is Nehemiah. Nehemiah's in the Old Testament. He's, he used to be uh, the, a cupbearer for the Persian king. When the nation of Israel collapsed, uh, they took all the captives in Jerusalem and moved them to Babylon. They stayed there for about 70 years. Well then, according to scriptural prophecy, they began to return. And Nehemiah was asking about some of the, he was Jewish, he was asking about some of the, the, the people in Jerusalem and he found out that Jerusalem was in disarray, the city walls were broken down, and, it just, and the people weren't doing well, and it just grieved his heart. He began to pray. And he's praying and praying, and finally he just realized, I need to go back there. I need to go back and, and build those walls again. And so the Lord, he said the Lord gave him favor with the king, the king allowed him to go back, and he goes back and he begins to rebuild the walls. He called it a, a great work. And actually, they rebuilt those walls. All these, listen, a city without walls in those days, it's like living in a bad neighborhood without any doors on your house. It's, it's you're, you're subject to anybody coming in. And so here's Jerusalem, had no walls, and he went back there, and with the people's help, they rebuilt those walls in 52 days. It was a miracle. But not everybody was happy about it. And so when he came back and started building the walls, there were some enemies of the Jews all around that area, and they were really opposing Nehemiah building the walls. He's doing a good work, but there were some people that just hated it. And so they threatened them. They threatened to attack them. They tried to get Nehemiah to come and talk to them so they could kill him. I mean, they were, they were just constant at him. But Nehemiah was smart to them. Let's read what happened here. Sanballat, that was one of the enemies, sent his servant to me, Nehemiah, as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and it was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to, let me just stop right there. When, when someone comes to you and says, everybody's saying this, that's a red flag. It's you and two other people, but that doesn't count as everybody. Okay? It is reported that you and the Jews plan to rebel Therefore, according to these rumors, you, Nehemiah, are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you've also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there's a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, talking about the king of, of Persia. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah was, recognized the lies of the enemy. He knew he had an enemy. It was probably easy for him to spot his enemy. He had an enemy. He knew Sanballat was trying to hurt him. And so when this letter came, Nehemiah recognized it. He said, no, no, this, this, is, not, this is not true. In fact, he, he answered it the right way. He just simply refuted it. He's like, no. You tell him you made this stuff up. It's a bunch of lies. And he did not respond to the lies. He didn't run. He didn't panic. He didn't try to go meet with them. He just said, no, you're lying about it. And he kept building the wall. 
But also Nehemiah was wise to the intent. The intent, he said, was to send this letter to scare them. He said to make us afraid. And then he used an interesting term. He said that our hands would be weakened. It's interesting that when you see the word hands used in the scriptures, it usually is also a metaphor for strength. Nehemiah talked about the hand of God that was upon him. We see the hand of God, the Holy Spirit, being used in the book of Acts. That when the Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number of believing and turning to the Lord. The hand of the Lord is the strength of the Lord. And he said they wanted, also they wanted to make our hands weak. I was reading something actually just a, a, a couple of months ago and it was talking about indicators of strength. And they're saying that one of the indicators of strength is grip strength. They said your ability to do what, do what they call a dead hang. So where you grab onto a bar, feet off the ground, and you hang there just with your body weight. And how long you can hang is an indicator of overall strength. Not the only indicator, an indicator of strength. But hand strength is an indicator of strength. And they, they want you to be able to hang for a minute, and they're thinking two minutes. You ever try that? It's not easy. But the idea is that your grip strength is strength. So he's, when Nehemiah said, they're trying to weaken our hands because if our hands are weak, if we become discouraged, if we become weak, then we can't do the job that we're supposed to be doing. We can't finish this work with weakened hands. That's actually been a, a, a strategy of the enemy is to scare and to intimidate. They say Alexander the Great when he, was, when he was conquering the world, he, when he would leave an area, he would leave behind custom-made armor, breastplates, that would fit men of seven to eight feet tall. And the reason he left that behind is he wanted his enemies to find that armor and go, oh my gosh, we're fighting against men seven and eight feet tall. That's psychological warfare. He's trying to scare people because if you're scared, you're weak. And so Nehemiah recognized no, that's the enemy. He's trying to weaken our hands. He's trying to get us to stop doing the work of God. And I love what Nehemiah does next. He doesn't react. He just says, Lord, strengthen my hands. So what about us? How do we take this example? Well, how do we learn from this example? Because it's written for us. How do we take that and begin to bring it into our lives? And there are three things I really want you to hear this morning. And there are three things that will help you in this. Here's the first one. We need to level up our purpose. Now, leveling up our purpose, I, 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 there's, a, there's a mentality that, that, that you hear in people. Um, there was a, a, a poem that was written years ago by a man named William Ernest Henley. It's called Invictus. And it's this real strong poem about handling adversity, ending adversity. And it says, I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. And, you know, I, people kind of adopt that. They're like, yeah. I'm the master of my feet. I'm the, I'm the captain of my soul. I've, I've got something different for you. Actually, when you make Jesus your Lord, you have a, a new master. That's right. And it's not you. Now, if there was ever a group of people that you would write to and tell them, you know, I'm sorry, you guys, but life is just going to be hard for you until you reach heaven and then it's all going to be better. It would be the slaves of the ancient world. Some were purchased, some were bought, some became slaves on their own. But if you're writing to the slaves, you want to write slaves and go, hey, slaves, bless your heart. I am sorry you're a slave. You know what? But when you get to heaven, it's all going to be better. I want you to see how Paul wrote a group of slaves. And I want you to pick up on what he says to them. He 
He says this, bond servants, slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. That means your masters down here. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartedly as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Wait a minute, hold on, hang, hang on a second. You're saying Paul is writing these, these slaves and going, hey slaves, I know you got earthly masters down here, but don't worry about it. You actually have a master in heaven and what you do, you don't need to do as just to please men. You do it to please God for you serve the Lord Christ. And if you serve the Lord Christ, here's the beautiful thing is, and you do good, he will reward you. In other words, you're talking to a slave saying, you can get God involved in your life by simply having a hard attitude that what I do, I do for the Lord. You say, well, I'm not a slave, I'm a Texan. I got it, I understand. But here's the deal. We still can serve the Lord in whatever we do whether you're a lawyer, an accountant, whether you drive a truck, whether you work in the oil whether you teach a class, whether you stay at home, you can say, in my heart, I may be working for a horrible boss, but I'm not doing it for my horrible boss. I am doing it for the Lord. I serve him. And if I'm doing it for him, the Lord can get involved in my business and he can help me. I'm, we're living with a bigger purpose. You say, well, how does that protect our strength? Because the bigger the purpose, the bigger the life. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. I want to answer here. How many of you have ever been on vacation? Most of you. How many of you know the most productive week of your entire life is the week before you go on vacation? <laughs> Am I right? Because your purpose in life is I'm going on vacation. And so the whole week before a problem comes, you handle it. Another problem comes, you handle it. You're like, bless the Lord. I am going on vacation. <laughs> And so I'm going to deal with all these problems. Here's the, here's the thing. We don't live on vacation. We have just a few weeks of the year, unless you're John Fernandez, and then you get forever. And, but, but we don't live on vacation. We, we, we go to vacation occasionally. But if we have a bigger purpose, if our purpose is not just me, not just what helps me, not just what makes me happy, is Lord, I'm living for you. I'm serving you. You are my master. You're the one taking care of me. Then when the problems come, the little things don't bother me as much. I'm living with a bigger purpose in life. I serve him. I serve, the, and by the way, you talk about someone good to serve. He's good to serve. We're living in a different kingdom, guys. And with a different kingdom, we have a different king. And it's no longer us. He's the king. And we serve him. Level up the purpose. Here's the second one. Recognize the voice of the enemy. This is big. Recognize the voice of the enemy. Nehemiah recognized that the lies coming his way were made up. They weren't true. Here, here's, here's a thought that, that I think is, is so important to realize. Not every negative thought, well, the negative thoughts, I will tell you this, they're not coming from God and they're not always coming from you. We live, listen, just because we have technology and more education than we used to does not mean the spiritual realm went away. We still live in a world where there are demonic influences, where there are demo demonic forces. We have an enemy, different kingdom, different enemy. And we have an enemy of our soul. 
And there are things and thoughts that will come your way and you have to begin to filter them out and go, that's not me and that's not God. That's from the enemy. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but I'm telling myself. I have driven over bridges before, like the one in Louisiana and the one over the Mississippi, these tall bridges, and had the thought, drive off the bridge. Now I'm the only one that's ever had that thought. But how many of you know, if you have a thought like that, drive off this bridge, you can do this. How many of you recognize you go, was that me or was that the Lord? Was, you go, no, that's a crazy thought. I'm not doing that. Listen, there are so many thoughts that come our way. They are not from God and they are not from you. Every thought that comes your way may have come from the outside and we have to have the wisdom to recognize it. And the more you know God's truth, the better your filter is. And you begin to recognize, wait a minute, hang on, wait a minute. That thought that says God doesn't care about me, that's a lie. That thought that says I can never be blessed in my lifetime, that's a lie. That thought that says my family is going to go to pot and it's never going to work, that's a lie. You need to recognize the lies is not coming from God and not coming from you. They're coming from your enemy and you start resisting them. Listen, people talk about mental health, but one of the problems with mental health is people accept every single thought that comes their way is coming from them. You got to recognize we have an enemy and he lies and he threatens and we have to wake up to that and go, no, no. The more I know the truth of God, the more I can look back and go, that's a lie and I'm not moving on it. And what happens is the third thing is we begin to resist the strategies of the enemy. Let me give you this verse in Ephesians. Now look at this. Ephesians says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the, put on all of God's armor that you may be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. I heard people say, well, Alan, you know, we live in a very educated society. We, we don't believe in the devil. That's a mistake. Because Jesus addressed the devil. And like I said, spiritual things just didn't go one day and end just because we got educated. We have a devil. He's an enemy. He will lie to you and we have to resist his strategies. Now, one of the biggest things he will try to do with you is cause fear to come into your life. It's to cause fear. Why? Because fear will weaken you. And the more fearful you are and the more afraid you are, it, it, it doesn't make your life expand. It makes your life contract. And he wants to cause fear. So you say, well, how do I do? Well, for one thing, you, you don't run. There's a lady, her name is Lexi Fowler. She's a, she's a Montana rancher and she raises sheep and she kept losing her little lambs to coyotes. Coyotes are pretty crafty. And she kept losing, she lost 50 sheep, lambs, to coyotes one year. And she tried everything. But the most effective thing she found out was llamas. Ever seen a llama? Ugly little animals, kind of, well, they're not little, they're kind of big. And, and they're just, they're wall-to-wall attitude. They are afraid of nothing. She said, llamas, nothing scares llamas. So a coyote would come and a llama would raise his head and look at the coyote. And instead of running from the coyote, a llama is just like running straight for the coyote. <laughs> he said, and the coyote, which is an opportunist, is not accustomed to things coming their way. They're accustomed to, they're accustomed to people running or things, sheep running from them, not someone running towards them. When Matt came back from Africa a num number of years ago when he lived there, he said they taught them in Africa that if you encounter a lion, he was in Botswana, if you encounter a lion in the wild, they said do not run from a lion. 
they said, make yourself as big as possible and run towards the lion. Fortunately, Matthew never had to try that theory out to see if it worked. But the idea is you can't, you can't run from fear. You can't constantly be afraid. And the enemy will try to, your marriage is going to go. Your children are going to go. You're not going to live. You're going to die. You ever had a thought and all of a sudden you had a pain and immediately the enemy said, it's cancer, you're going to die. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever had that thought? It's cancer. Then if you take that thought and begin to run with it, and then you begin to see yourself, you lose all your hair, and then you begin to see yourself wasting away, and then you're watching your funeral, and you're starting to think about who came to your funeral and who didn't come to your funeral, and then you're irritated at people. We can't take those thoughts. We have to resist those thoughts. Just remember the llama. Run towards them, but run towards them with God's word and God's truth and say, I'm not going that direction. Guys, listen. We're part of a strong kingdom. We're not part of a weak kingdom. Our God's not weak. Our God is strong. And he did not leave us down here to be prey to the enemy. We have an enemy. He's defeated. We're not in his kingdom. And we have the truth. And the truth makes us free. And that's what we resist. And it makes all the difference in the world. True story of a lady in a, a mental sanitarium in California. She was there because of extreme depression. And she would, for years she was there and she would sit every day on a bench and she would just stare at the ground. She wouldn't talk to anybody. She wouldn't respond to anybody. She just stared. And one day a new doctor came by and uh, he said, saw her sitting there. He said, hello, what's your name? No response. He said, are you having a good day? No response. He says, my name is Dr. Heaven. H-E-V-E-N. And I'll be by to see you tomorrow. And as he was walking off, she raised her head and she spoke. He didn't, he didn't know her history. He didn't realize what a miracle this was. She said, what did you say your name was? He said, a Dr. Heaven, H-E-V-E-N. And he turned around and walked away. But in her confused state, she didn't hear H-E-V-E-N, heaven. She heard H-E-A-V-E-N, heaven. She began to think about heaven. And she began to think about God. And she began to think about a God who was merciful. She, she evidently had had some, some understanding and some training. And she had, she had a relationship with the Lord. She began to think about a God who loved her enough to send his son to die for her. And the next day, everyone that she met, she told them, this is the day the Lord has made. And the day after that, she began to tell people, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What happened? She'd been, what? She'd been, over the years prior, she'd put God's word in her. And now God's word started to show up in her. On the sixth day, she began to tell everyone, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Five weeks later, they released her. And for 14 years, she was a lead teacher in Southern California. What happened? Guys, we're part of a strong kingdom with a strong God. And you're stronger. Oh, you're so much stronger than you think. And your capacity for strength is so much greater. You're connected with the creator of the universe. That's strength. And if you've made Jesus your Lord, then Jesus is the master of your fate. Then Jesus is the captain of your soul. And talk about a captain we can trust. 
Would you bow your head for a moment? We'll be out of here in just a minute. If you, if you came today and you said, you know what, Alan, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior of my life, or if I have, I'm really not sure about it. Or maybe you said, I did that at one time, and I've gotten away from him, and I've gotten away from God. But I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer and not have you stand up. We're not going to ask you to come down to the front, but sitting right where you are, if you're watching online, this prayer is for you. If you're watching by television, it's for you. We'll take a moment and we're going to pray. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you, and you say, Alan, I, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I want to be sure about that. Or I did. I've gotten away and I want to come back. Would you pray for me real quick to just shoot your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Maybe you just you, you didn't feel like you could at this time. But, but here's the thing. This is a heart prayer. You can pray this prayer with us from your heart. We're going to join you as a church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. I said yes to you. That's still bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you for those here, those online who prayed that prayer. I thank you for them. And I thank you for the wonderful plans that you have for them, those who've come to you for the first time and those who've come back. Lord, I thank you. They're part of your kingdom, a strong kingdom with a strong king. And Lord, for the rest of us, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for truth that sets us free. Thank you for your spirit that alerts us to what's going on. Thank you, Lord, we are not alone and never will be. That we live with you. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.